The reading this morning is from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. And you'll find it in your church Bibles at page 1153, and it's chapter 12. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. <coughs> there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, each one, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. This is the word of the Lord. We pray for Peter. Father, we want to thank you for the gifts that you have given to Peter, and thank you that you have brought him to minister here among us. We pray now that as he speaks, you will anoint his words, and that you will give us hearts that are open to hear and receive what you are saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Richard. Good morning. Well, we're going to be thinking uh, in our uh, time this morning about discovering our spiritual gifts. Uh, You might want to call them discovering our God-given gifts. And uh, I'm guessing, I've only been here less than two years, you know, it's it's a a week, uh, this time next week, it'll be my um, second year anniversary of becoming vicar here. But I'm guessing somewhere along the line, you've thought about this as a church, Uh, you've uh, done some training, I'm presuming, or you've done seminars, lots of churches do, about discovering spiritual gifts, uh, and I, I presume that's happened here somewhere along the line. I'm, 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 I'm wondering, tell me at some point how you've done it. You have done it. That's great. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing to do because it's, it's uh, working out, discerning, discovering what our gifts are, are so important because uh, he's given them to the church. He's given them to us for a reason. And uh, this week, and Jenny's preaching on the second half of chapter 12 next week, um, we, we're thinking about Uh, how we have each been gifted with good gifts. And so let's get into the passage and see 
what Sir Paul is saying to us about finding out about our God-given gifts, spiritual gifts that he's gifted to us. Well, this chapter, chapter 12, we're 1 Corinthians, it comes out of response to yet another question that the Corinthians have posed to Paul. Uh, as you know from the series uh, that we've been looking at, he spent about a year and a half planting the church in Corinth in about AD 50, which is about 20 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. And uh, we know that all of this is going on because we read this in Acts chapter 18. And, uh, and then he leaves Corinth and he goes to Ephesus, and it's in Ephesus that he writes the letter to the Corinthians in about AD 54. And as you know as well, by, uh, by now, he's addressing certain issues, certain problems, certain questions that they are posing to him, and uh, as they've encountered as he's gone away from them. And uh, one of them is that the proper use of spiritual gifts. And so that's why he begins the chapter with this phrase. He says, now about the gifts of the Spirit. And so he's turning his attention to this question, to this issue, the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, through the first chapters uh, up to now, he's dealt with other big, crucial issues. He's been thinking about sexual morality. Uh, he's been thinking about divisions in the church. He's been thinking about worshipping idols. And as Ivan said to us last week, all of these issues are very relevant to us today. We're in the same sort of pagan society, not exactly the same, but very similar pagan society to the one that the Corinthians were in. And the matter of spiritual gifts was crucial to them, and it is also crucial for us today. Uh, during an interview, a man called Bud Wilkinson, he's, uh, he was the coach of a, a, a top college football team in America, was asked this question. What contribution does professional sports make to the physical fitness of Americans in general? And his answer, unsurprisingly, was, well, very little. And he he went on to say, a professional football game is happening where 50,000 spectators who desperately need exercise are sitting in the stands watching 22 men on the field who desperately need a rest. (laughs) So this is a topic, really, it's about getting the church off the spectator stands and getting into the match itself. So let's think about this under three headings. Firstly, who gives the spiritual gifts? Secondly, why are they given? And thirdly, what difference do they make to your life and to my life? And that's pretty much the the order in which Paul tackles it. So uh, let's get to the heart of it. Well, where's the problem? Why did the church in Corinth have to be taught about the gifts of the Spirit? Well, essentially, as you read the, the, the letter through, you, you'll notice that Paul is saying to them again and again, you're getting a bit too big for your boots. You're, you're, you're worried about appearances. And you're forgetting the main thing about the gifts, which are that they are there to glorify Jesus. That is the, the reason that God gives the gifts of the Spirit, in order to glorify his Son. However, the Corinthian church, the Corinthian Christians were sort of a bit smug and say, well, we're great. You know, we're, we're a wonderful place. We're a wonderful church. You know, we've got all these gifts. But look at that, that church down the road in Athens. You know, look at them. They're, they're just dead. Spiritually, they're dead. I wonder whether we ever say that about another church. Surely not. 
But that's, that's what they were like. They were sort of saying, well, we've got it right, they've got it all wrong. And, and Paul is challenging this sort of self-satisfied attitude that they've got, and, and he wants to put it right. And Paul being Paul, he never pulls his punches. You know, he always goes in there uh, and, uh, with force and energy, and he, he does the same in this chapter. So who is the gift giver? That's the first thing to think about. Who gives these spiritual gifts? Well, he, he weighs in and he, and he puts them right straight away. Uh, uh, who the, giver, the gift giver is. Well, the obvious, the obvious answer is God, isn't it? Of course, it's God. But there's more to it than that. If you've got a Bible in front of you, have a look at uh, verses 4 to 6 of this chapter where he writes this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit dis- distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. I wonder if you see the pattern in those verses. God is the gift giver. He is the giver of these gifts. But the fascinating thing about these verses is it actually shows it's God, the Trinity, at work in the giving of these gifts. So notice you've got the same Spirit, the same Lord, and then finally it says the same God. And so in other words, this is God, the Trinity, at work. This is uh, the, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit at work in the giving of the gifts to the church. So what, you might say? Well, the fact that this is God, the Trinity, at work in the giving of these gifts is, so, is showing us something about the character of God. And essentially, Paul is, is showing that this is the character of God and his generosity. That God is a generous God. That he loves to lavish good things on his people. How can, we sh- how can we know that? How can we be sure that God is like that? Well, let's look at something that Jesus says, and it will shed light on what Paul is saying about the God who gives these spiritual gifts. So, if you'd like to try and find it, let's do that. Let's, uh, Luke chapter 11. So, uh, go back a bit. Uh, Luke chapter 11, and verse 9. Again, I've got my, my Bible, so it's a slightly different um, page numbering. So if you've got a, a page number, could someone shout it out? 1043, thank you. So page 1043, Luke chapter 11, and uh, reading from verse 9. I'm going to read to verse 13. So Jesus says, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find... Knock and the door will be opened to you. For who everyone asks receives. Those who seek find, and to those who knock the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, you could get in a bit of a tangle here and and sort of wonder why a father would give their child a a snake or a scorpion. 
uh, and, and you could sort of wonder about that, but let's, let's not worry too much about that. But Jesus is saying that we as human beings, as parents, even though we get things wrong, we still know how to give good things to our children. So we wouldn't, if they asked for a fish, we wouldn't give them a snake. That's what he's saying. So by comparison, he's saying, that Jesus is saying, by comparison, how much more will God, who is good, lavish his best gift on us, which is, who is the Holy Spirit, if we ask him? And God is always a good God. He is always a good God. He's only got the best in store for us. Do you know that, that sort of refrain that says, God is good all the time, all the time God is good. You've heard that one? God is time, all the, all the time, all the time God is good. And I wonder whether we can say that all the time, whether we mean that all the time with conviction. But God the Holy Trinity is by his very being dedicated to pouring out his blessing on us if we will ask him. Why? Well, the reason is, is that he is Trinity. He exists as a Trinity. He is one God in three persons. And so the Godhead is in a, a mysterious way that we will never really understand, but he's in relationship with himself in three ways. As Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, when I was at Trinity College in Bristol and, and doing my academic training, one of my tutors, David Runcorn, uh, went on to write a book, and in his book he, he helps us unpack the mystery of the Trinity, and he writes this. The Holy Trinity is a dancing community of divine poverty, each eternally joyfully dispossessing themselves, emptying, pouring themselves out to favor and glorify the other. Nothing claimed, demanded or grasped, they live and know each other in the simple ecstasy of giving. This is the God who gives the Holy Spirit, who pours out the Holy Spirit. If we will ask him, if we will seek him, if we will seek after his gifts, who will not give up on us. I wonder if you know that God. Have you ever asked him for his gifts that he has ready for you, his child, his son, his daughter? And so Paul says, if you notice, going back to our chapter, he says to them, don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant. In other words, don't miss out. Don't miss out on these gifts. Don't miss out because God is a good God. He wants to bless us with his gifts. He wants to build us up. So let's be full of thanks that we serve a God. We worship that God this morning and in our lives day by day. So the gift giver is God, the Holy Trinity. The next question is, well, why? Why are they given? Why does he give, these, why does he give us these gifts in the first place? Well, verse 7 answers that. Where Paul writes, Now to each, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The problem Paul was trying to get them to face up to was the fact that the, the certain people in the church were complaining that certain people weren't exercising the gifts of the Spirit and others were. And so they were being held back in the gifts of the Spirit. And so some of them were racing ahead and they were using the gift of prophecy 
and speaking in tongues and casting out demons and performing miracles. All great stuff. But actually, Paul, and he commends them, actually, commends them in the first chapter. When he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, I always thank God for you because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way. In all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. So the beginning of the book, he's saying, well done. You're doing a really good job. You're, you know, you're, giving, you're, you're giving glory to God as you exercise the gifts of the Spirit. You're doing the business. But then later on in chapter 12, he, he sort of applies the brakes. And he cautions them. And he says, it's great that you're using the gifts of the Spirit. It's great that you're speaking in tongues. It's great that you're, uh, uh, you've got the knowledge about Christ. But he says to them, you're missing the main point. And he says the main point is, is that the gifts of the Spirit are given in order for the common good. They're sort of for the whole church community. So that the whole church can benefit from them. So that Jesus' name is glorified and so his kingdom is extended. And it's a daunting list, isn't it? Verses 8 to 10. Uh, he talks about wisdom, knowledge, faith. Healing, miracles, prophecy, the discernment of spirits, tongues, the interpretation of tongues. And you can think to yourself, wow, I've never got into those. And I'm, I'm not really sure I want to. But he's not, he's not saying this to make them feel in, inferior or inad, inadequate. He's, he's not saying that at all. He's saying that, that the, the, the spirit is waiting to express himself in the life of the local church. If the local church will let him have that freedom to operate. And the tragedy, of course, is down the centuries. The church has somehow managed to dampen the Holy Spirit. But as we have it here in, in 1 Corinthians, the gifts of the Spirit are there for all of us to desire to have. All of us for the common good. So it's God the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God in relationship who longs to give us his good gifts, who, who wants to manifest himself in the local church, if the church will allow him, so that the church is built up for the common good. And lastly, let's ask, what difference does it make? What difference can they make in your life and my life? In other words, what are they for? What's the goal of these gifts? To what end are they given? Well, Paul says that in verses 2 and 3. Difficult verses. He says that you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. And that actually, when you think about it, it's not so far from the situation we're in today. Because people who become Christians today are doing so from a culture where it says it's okay to worship idols. Our society around us is, is, is basically worshipping idols. And, and it's all over the place. If we open our eyes, we'll see it. It's, it's on billboards, it's on adverts, in, in the media. You've got fashion icons, you've got... 
sports stars who are paid in the millions. You've got media tycoons who think they own the land and city bosses who are commanding huge salaries. It's all fed by a culture that says we'll revere you if you live out the dream we want of success and lifestyle and money. But when you are faced with the claims of Jesus Christ, all of that is empty. All of that is worthless. And all of that is devoid of meaning. Because Jesus Christ says very challenging things like the first will be last and the last will be first. And so how can someone grappling with the emptiness that the world offers, then grasp with the eternal treasure that Jesus offers? Well, the answer's here. Paul says, turn from mute idols, turn from dumb idols, and say with conviction, with the conviction of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is Lord. That is the ultimate end of the gifts of the Spirit. They are not given to gratify us, they're not given to bolster our ego or to say we're successful Christians as the Corinthians were doing. No. They are given so that the church has the courage to stand up and say, in a, in a, in a world which is worshipping idols, that Jesus is Lord. That is the reason they're given. To think about that, and just as I come to a close, one way of thinking about that is, is imagine going to the parade of shops where the spa is in the village. You know, with the bakers is and, and the chemists and the spa down there. Imagine you go down there and you get the courage up to go down there and say out loud, Jesus is Lord. Most of us probably wouldn't, I'm guessing. Most of us would run a mile <laughs> and, and not do that. But just say you get to know a, a neighbor or a friend or a relative enough and they open up to you about a crisis they're going through, a problem they're facing. And having built up their relationship with, of trust with them, you can then say that you have been praying for them. And in fact, that God has a plan for them. And that you have the faith to know that God will answer their cry for help. And that is as effective, if not more effective, than going down to the spa and saying, Jesus is Lord. Because you have bent the powers of darkness to the knee of Jesus. And the lordship of Christ is seen in that place. And so the church, you see, by Paul, is being, is being urged to wake up. To take the Holy Spirit seriously. And to call on the God who dwells in eternal glory to shower his gifts on his church. And if you want to discover the God-given gifts... The best advice I can give you is simply this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. So who gives these gifts? It's our God, who is good and full of generosity. What are they for? They're for the common blessing and well-being of the church. And what difference do they make to your life and to my life? They help us to proclaim by word and deed, Jesus is Lord. Let's pray.
Jesus is Lord. Creation's voice proclaims it. Lord, help us to cry out to you again and again. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we, we can proclaim by word and by deed in our lives day by day, Jesus is Lord. Lord, we need your gifts. We need to discern the use of the gifts. We need to uh, be uh, full of your Spirit so that we can be uh, people who serve you in this world. Heavenly Father, would you shower upon us the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Would you enable us to be open to them? Enable us to use them? And so, in so doing, enable us to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray.